0: Big sky, big potential. This is Eastern Promise. After 13 years, central government has said it is minded to call time on local enterprise partnerships, or LEPs, transferring their functions back into local authorities from 2024. LEPs were established in the earliest days of the coalition government in 2010, and there can be few bodies over recent years who have had such a transformational effect on Norfolk and Suffolk as the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership. Helming the New Anglia LEP from day one has been Chief Executive Chris Starkey, who had previously helmed the public-private initiative Shaping Norfolk's Future. Along with a succession of exceptional chairs... Andy Wood OBE, Mark Pendlington, Doug Field OBE and CJ Green... ...and an amazing team drawn from across the region... ...Chris turned New Anglia into one of the most highly regarded LEPs in England... ...and successfully secured large amounts of investment for Norfolk and Suffolk. I caught up with Chris in his final days at the LEP... ...as he prepared to step into a new, but not unrelated role as Director of Growth and Investment at Norfolk County Council. You have, I think it's fair to say, seen a lot in terms of the growth and development of Norfolk and Suffolk. Can we just start perhaps getting with the potted history of Chris Starkey mm. and then we'll move on to think what the, I, I, I sort of loosely termed the Lepp's greatest hits.
1: OK, so, <coughs> so I... Uh... I helped establish the Local Enterprise Partnership back in 2011. Going backwards from there, I was previously Chief Executive of Shaping Norfolk's Future, which was Norfolk's Public-Private Economic Development Partnership. Before that, I had uh, more than a decade as a journalist, so I started my career in Derbyshire, South Derbyshire. Right. Uh, Edwina Curry was the local MP. <laughs> on a newspaper called The Burton Mail. I then moved to Bristol, Bristol Evening Post, and uh, was the business editor there for a number of years before joining a start-up radio station in Bristol as the news editor, uh, and then transferring up to to Norwich, to Anglia Television, Ah. Uh, where I worked for 18 months as a producer in the newsroom, and then moved backwards from TV into back into print, as the business editor of the Eastern Daily Press for five years, which takes us through to when I moved over to, from the from Eastern Daily Press to, to become uh, chief exec of Shaping Norfolk's Future. Uh, that was in 2008. Business was my specialism uh, for a number of years, um, and then across to economic development. Mm. Shaping Norfolk's Future, that must have been
0: hugely exciting, but I just wondered if I could ask you to reflect mm. on what you were talking about at the time of shaping Norfolk's future, with the shape the Norfolk's future talk and is taking.
1: Yeah, so so the principles I think of shaping Norfolk's future uh, were really interesting and are still valid today. So so at that point, there was uh, a desire and a and a need really for collaboration between the public sector, the private sector and the education sector, and today that seems intuitive. It's, it's, uh, I think there's a recognition that uh, the private sector can't do things on its own. It needs infrastructure support, skill support, and so on by the public sector and the the education sector. Shaping North's future was an attempt to try and glue those elements together, developing sector groups, uh, developing campaigns. The A11 duelling campaign was uh, was one we Mm, we ran very well indeed during 2009, 2010. uh, Coalition government comes in, and uh, and eventually the road is duelled, Uh, and the other. Uh, big campaign. We we started the shaping office future was the Norwich in ninety rail campaign mm. began back in two thousand and nine. Took a while or two to get the to get the new trains, but but eventually they 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 have come. Um, so so that was the purpose of that was the purpose of shaping Norfolk's future back in back in the day. What it didn't have uh, was large amounts of revenue or capital funding. So it was very much about enabling partners to work together, kind of convening, pulling people together, lobbying, campaigning and so on, and, 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 and that very much that spirit of collaboration.
0: Over the years, the LEPs came in for a bit of, for my money on fair stick, because Suffolk always thought that Norfolk was getting more and Norfolk always thought that Suffolk was getting more. and. The way I sort of understood it.
1: Similar principle, really, that the BBC is simultaneously left wing, two left, left ring wing and right wing well, right at say, the same the, time.
0: This, the principle I could have understood is one got a lot of a little and the other got a little of a lot. And somewhere in the middle it all evened out and it was actually quite fair, really. How was the, um, the tendency for the LEP to come in for a bit of, a bit of stick like that? Has it uh, affected the work or did you just like, water off a duck's back?
1: No, the, the, I mean the critical thing about the work of the LEP was, was attempting to invest in projects, initiatives and schemes based on evidence, mm-hmm. not based on emotion, political expediency and perhaps that brought its criticism because we didn't fund all of the projects. Well, the, 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 the LEP was given money, some money, not enough money mm-hmm. but there's never enough money to get no, around exactly. <laughs> so you have to make choices and of course the people you back the investments you make people think it's marvelous those who you you don't or you're not able to well either they they don't, don't understand or they're um, uh that they believe you back the wrong the wrong thing and so on so um and i think um yes norfolk thinking Norfolk got more Suffolk. Got, I mean, it's interesting, really, the concept of Norfolk and Suffolk working together. That feels like a, does that feel like a natural thing to you now? Mm. I can tell you back in two, 2011, they never talked to each other. The two counties never had any collaboration working together. Um, occasionally in, in Waveney um, w- w- would work with, the re- with Norfolk, but apart from that, there were no partnerships uh, uh. across Norfolk and Suffolk. That for me is one of the enduring legacies. I think yeah. of, 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 uh, of the work of the LEP.
0: So you've come in day one. Um, I mean, I remember I was sort of working in small P politics at the mm. time the LEPS were established, and you've come in day one as, as the new chief. What was your view then of what the LEPS could achieve? I mean, you were slightly sort of vic- like all sort of public and public related authorities. You're sort of slightly uh, v- always going to be slightly victim to the tinkering of whatever Whitehall. Um, Westminster decides it wants to do but what was your view?
1: So my view was here's, uh, here's an opportunity to I suppose build from the bottom build from a pretty much clean uh, sheet of paper uh, in a minute I can show you the original business plan but it was created on somebody's kitchen table a plan right if we have we don't have any budget, so we're not constrained by budget.
0: That, I, I recognise and, you know, associate myself with that kind of so idea. We weren't
1: constrained by budget, as in we didn't have to make choices. But but if we wanted to grow the economy, what areas would we focus on? So there was kind of a bit of a liberating feeling. Same time, I guess, there was a recognition that, well, without any budget, this is going to be quite hard. <laughs> so, so I do remember um, Andy Wood's the first chair his view uh, and you know Andy Wood as the first chair huge credit to, to, to what the local enterprise partnerships achieved over, over over the period really down to down to the vision of the chairs and Andy was well let's collect clear vision for what we um, what we can do but get some quick wins in so <clears throat> gain some credibility because back in 2011 nobody knew what a local enterprise partnership was, let alone what it should do, and it certainly didn't have a track record. So so the approach was always to say, right, we need to prove ourselves, prove we've got we're we're capable, prove that we can make a difference, and most importantly, add value. Adding value otherwise there's no point in existing.
0: Looking back, what would you say are the the things that the LEP achieved of which you are most proud?
1: Mm, really if, if,
0: you know, it's a big question, but...
1: It is. Um, a little bit depends on, I mean, there are a huge number of things. Genuinely, there are a huge number of things that that, that we've achieved. And so it would depend, perhaps, if you ask me today, if I, if you ask me tomorrow, I might give you a slightly different list. Um, but I think the Enterprise Zone's been uh, enormously mm. successful. Proof that relatively modest intervention by government can deliver accelerated growth. That's what it is. It's about how do, you, uh, how do you encourage inward investment, encourage local investment, and accelerate it. So, the, 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 the program is fantastic, uh, particularly our first enterprise zone where we were doing things the team had not done before. Um, hitting the original targets we submitted to government, everyone puts ambitious bids into government for this. yes <laughs> we actually achieved the targets we set. second one would be our growing business fund so at a time when government was, was austerity time it was <coughs> it was looking to reduce the size of the state and increase the private sector, how do you accelerate private sector growth and one of the big problems we have in this country is a lack of private sector investment. So how do you do that at a time, uh, uh, you know, when, when things were not going well? So the growing business fund um, has invested in, well, so we've invested, what, 20, 30 million and business have, in, have invested five times that amount in. Yeah. And, and the good news is we can count every penny because we can see it. And it created several thousand jobs as well. So. Those two things, as we're sat here now, uh, are standouts. But I'm also proud of the skills projects. So College of West Anglia, the new university centre, had been an aspiration there for a decade. Mm. The Energy Skills Centre in Lowestoft, again, they'd been yeah. wanting that for yeah. a long, long time. And I know roads aren't terribly uh, the the, 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 um, <laughs> the thing we're supposed to crow about. But again, if you look at... Bury St Edmunds Relief Road that has opened up that industrial estate yeah. which again the, the borough had been working on trying to try to get funding for with the RDA for again several years that now is one of the most successful industrial sites in the region huge development there it's enabled companies like Treat to stay in Bury international headquarters and so on yeah. um, and, and, and has brought about really really significant growth in Bury St Edmunds.
0: Uh, so let's talk about lower stuff yep. and for my money and I say this on the podcast a lot that this is the most exciting time the most exciting time to be in the east of England yep. when you have science life science i mean we're yep. on the Nor- norwich research path yep. the, the you know the global home of plant science yep. and you've got cambridge down the road and cambridge doesn't need any help from me in selling itself um, and but you've also got the clean energy piece and as we said we've talked to jonathan reynolds at oppergy yep. and we raved about the clean energy piece and you know it, it's it's a situation i think that we have everything this country needs in the east of england mm-hmm. for the future Lots of other places have got bits of it, I don't deny that, but I think we've got the whole package, and mm-hmm. I think we alone have the whole package, and that's a tribute to you uh, and the new Anglia LEP for the work you've done building that. rightly, you have been recognised correctly, rightly, as sort of uh, amongst the four, foremost LEPs in England. So what is your view on how we're gonna grow somewhere like Lowestoft and Yarmouth when we've got all this in, uh, investment going into the renewable energy, offshore wind infrastructure, more f- facilities means more vessels, more vessels means more crews, more crews means more activity in the supply chain. Yep. Just like Seismal we'll Sea. How can we make the most of that? I mean, obviously, Great Yarmouth's going to be your bailiwick going forward.
1: Yep. So is is the question how we generally can make use of it or, or what are we asking government could to do
0: well no i, I, my, my, I i'm thinking <laughs> about us really I'm, i i try to I, one of my mantras is i'm you know let's not worry let's see what the levers are in our hands and before we worry about government and what i was actually yeah. trying, going to go on and ask you is how your experience is of dealing with government because it's r- and interesting to compare you know experiences yeah, yeah. but yeah how can we as a region, as a county, as the le- now as as, as yeah. Norfolk County Council in the future, I can I can foresee a future where Lower Stuff and yarmouth are transformed yeah. quite easily if we get it right. I say they're all we, but
1: yeah. So, so look, there are there are a number of building blocks to a place, but a successful place has thriving industry commerce at the heart of it. Look at Cambridge. Cambridge's success is built on its universities, Yes. But not just its universities; it's it's the businesses and the sectors. They are the beating heart of it. The university helps feed that, and so on. In Lowestoft, the challenge we've had over the past decades is traditional industries have uh, have been in decline, and it's also difficult to attract Lowestoft because of its location to it to to it. Let's uh, you know a high tech. A high-tech Cambridge-style business isn't going to pick lurstoft because it's geographically on the margins, which is why offshore wind, the energy sector, has to be its heart because Lurstoft is the best place to be for it. So you have yeah. to maximise that. And I think, how do we ensure that businesses in that sector choose Lurstoft? Well, we need the right premises. We need the right skilled labour. It needs to be accessible to obviously to the offshore market but also uh, to, um, to the rest of the uk as well so how we can grow the cluster you can grow the cluster, you then provide the, uh, the business rates the um, people to buy the houses that you want to, you want to develop because there's no sense in just building a you know, building a massive housing estate if there's no business and, and industry and people there. Um, so I think developing, enhancing, and maximising the economy is a critical critical piece, and in a sense, all, all flows from that. But but the kind of what I what I say really is we need to learn the lessons from the gas, um, the gas of the the gas of the sixties of offshore gas and so on. The huge wealth that was generated by uh, the exploration for gas in the southern sea did not stick in not enough of it stuck with great Yarmouth and lower stuff it was um, you know uh, multinational companies would come in uh, they'd sort of helicopter people in live figuratively and literally it didn't transform the either town and i think that's that's for me the learning we have to uh, we have to capture, because just growing the economy on its own does not work. You've got to make sure that it's embedded within the, uh, within the local community. And that's why investment in local skills, so local people can benefit from uh, the new job opportunities is so critical. Ensuring we've got the right premises so that our own businesses can grow and start up. We're not just reliant in international ones dropping in a, mm. uh, a, a satellite office and then deciding what well, we'll pull out and so on.
0: So, relations with government. I mean, obviously, whatever DCLG was called at the time and in the future um, uh, it may change frequently, who knows. Um, what has it been like? Um, because obviously, yeah, as I say, you were a very well-regarded LEP, uh, or are a very well-regarded LEP, you're still here. Um, so what has that been like, the, the liaison with government?
1: So I think government, government's an interesting beast. Um, <laughs> The trouble with government is it's, not, it's easy to call it. I think by the fact we talk about government, it implies that it's one thing. Yes. The challenge with government is a range of different departments, a range of different ministers, a range of different civil servants. The civil service churn is quite interesting. Yes. Um, and the way that you build a relationship with X or Y you ruled a relationship with a and b and before long you're on to x and y because you've been through every other letter of the alphabet on the way and you've had to
0: explain what you're trying to do so many times so
1: as an example of it is our skills boot camp project which is bringing um, a really good policy good policy by government to upskill the existing workforce works really well but we're already on to our fifth Contract manager and we're only on the same in the same year. The churn mm. is the churn is extraordinary um, Which is which I think is a problem. So um, and You know the lack of joined up government is, is 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 the best oxymoron really um, So I think you know, it's a, it's a challenge But if you recognize that you, you, you've got to work with the you know, you've got to work with the chess set you're given yep, Absolutely, with, you, uh, we can't so control, we can.
0: control that Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the things that I've been fondest and having a lot of fun doing is getting into Cambridge and engaging with businesses there and growing the podcast there and the message as well. And yep. I've been actually, once you've sort of found your way in, it's there's a lot of openness that I have found to looking to east. And I, you know, and, and again, I think that the, the possibilities, um, I, not instead of the Ox Cam Arc as well as the Ox Cam Arc, that. The land of the Ox camera, and I'm just going to riff for a second, so bear with me, is going to be quite expensive, mm-hmm. whereas look at what we can offer. Uh, and that's something I'm hoping to return to with Eastern Promise in the future. But, um, and again, my thesis is, and I'll say this, everyone's going to groan, but it's like a, 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 a jigsaw. Jigsaws don't fit together every mm-hmm. which way. You have to find the right connections to yeah. build a beautiful picture. Could be a puppy, who knows. So what's your experience of of, of building those links <laughs> between... Nor- Norfolk-Suffolk and Cambridgeshire and where lots of people will, will want me to ask where the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor sits at present.
1: So I think the Cambridge Norwich Tech Corridor is a fantastic concept. It is. It's a brilliant concept because you are providing opportunities for all. Let me just explain what I mean by that. So let's start at the Norwich end. The opportunity for Norwich, uh, which we're set here today uh, at Norwich Research Park, a global uh, research centre, um, yeah. but it's arguably a little bit off the, on the edge of the map. How do you plug uh, the science at Nor- in Norwich at the UEA um, in with um, colleagues in Cambridge? How do you get them collaborate, collaborating more? You've got you actually have different parts of to use your analogy a jigsaw, different. Different pieces of jigsaw which you can which you can lock together, uh, uh, and so on. So, so there's opportunities for Norwich. There's opportunities for uh, the the kind of the, the the space in between, if you if you call it that. So, places like Thetford, yes, uh, places like so. Attleborough, Windham, huge uh, there's huge available land, but there's also. Significant skills, particularly around manufacturing, agri-tech, but in, the, in a sense in the production piece, uh, the manufacturing, the distribution piece. Um, and then you take it to Cambridge and you say, well, why, why does Cambridge need all of this? It's got. It's got Love to the North, it's supposed to be working with Peterborough. It's love to the South, it's supposed to be on this M11 corridor. Um, and then there's of course the Oxcam, co- ha- ha- it can't cope with, uh, with with another one. But actually I think there's big opportunities for Cambridge to um, recognise, I think, it, to, yes. to, to yeah, I think the the yeah, skills yeah. that it doesn't have, which it sometimes struggles to consider that it may not have all the skills that are required. Um, to the east and as you say there's a uh the biggest problem in Cambridge is the price of the land second biggest problem is availability of uh, availability of workers well actually both of those you can find to the east so um so i think there's that there's some interesting sort of learnings and interesting opportunities for uh for the corridor as a kind of dynamic ecosystem
0: we've got the 370 million announced just last week mm. for hp3 yep um which is fantastically exciting, and the concentration here, I think, on the Norwich Research Park is a huge strength. You must be terribly proud of the role that the LEP has played, amongst amongst others, of course. But the the, the LEP has played in bringing this, bringing this site forwards. And I want to reflect on that. And also, yeah. how do we grow it? How do we keep growing it? Because I yeah. think there's, there's so much potential here that is yeah. recognised in Cambridge, and <laughs> with a certain amount of envy, if I might add.
1: Yeah, so, 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 so for me, I think we have made, over the past number of years, significant... Well, look, the science has always been world-class. Let's be absolutely clear about oh, this. So, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, however, however long you look back, it's always been world-class science. But, in a, but, but 10 years ago, the kind of conversation stopped there. Well, it's world-class science, what more do you need? Now, it's about world-class science and um, spin-outs, um, economic opportunity, how it becomes mm. an economic anchor, not just a science, scientific anchor. Um, and you know, credit to the, uh, to the current NRP team, uh, their enterprise events. Um, we have been on a journey over that period in terms of spin-outs, in terms of companies that are, uh, that are starting to um, uh, become more than just ideas, taking space and so on. So so we've a number of businesses who are uh, who are doing really well um, growing choosing Norwich uh, and so for me I absolutely love the uh, 371 million and so on. Uh, what I'm keen to see is well uh, what what's is there a similar investment in uh, in spin-outs and uh, and so on and how we can how we can keep nurturing those because that's the science is real value, but the real, real value is the uh, mm, economic um, uh, jobs and businesses on the back of it. And and I have to say one thing that's different. So I uh, so so going to events now, compared with when we started the LEP, events on the NRP. There will be people coming up to me saying, "Oh, how do I raise finance for a for uh, for a, a spin out business? How do I raise?" Um, um br- bring in um sort of management of expertise and so on they just we not the people with that sort of out, outward looking thing and so and then it's starting to happen um in a significant um so in significant numbers and i think that's that's really the mm. for me the most exciting bit
0: i mean this may be a, a question for the park team and not mm. so for yourself but is is there a constraint on how big the park can go in this part of norwich and uh, if if there is, how do we overcome it and, and make sure this, this, this park keeps building world class institutions? Like I can see the Earlham from the window, with the Earlham Institute from the window through the window, uh, and and the HP3. No, I the think, I,
1: I, it, it, candidly, I think one of the good things we've got is we've got available land. Excellent. We've got available land. The critical piece is, um, particularly for early stage businesses, how can we uh, how can we bring about kind of long-term capital to build the facilities? Mm. So, so we have a problem in Cambridge. There's a shortage of shortage of labs, and so on, um, and, 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 and so on. But there's also a shortage of shortage of facilities here, um, and um, and the NLP team is on is on the money, and uh, will be will be uh, raising finance and so on to. Uh, to, to, to bring about investment in new uh, in new facilities which is what we need because we now have the trouble before was you built the facilities and the were the, 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 the spin out businesses the uh, the ideas and companies were, were not there now we've got the ideas we need to make sure we can build the build the um, facilities to keep pace so was which is a great problem to have
0: is that well yeah absolutely um, is that something you'll be taking forward in, in- in your new role, yeah. yeah. So,
1: so, so, so we we have as the LEP invested with with colleagues in South Norfolk in the LMA Barnes Building. Mm. Good news is that uh, that uh, by the end of the summer will be let to two um, you describe them as tech businesses or or uh, spin out businesses with real um, uh, which uh, were were sort of forged from from Norfolk uh, entrepreneurism <laughs>
0: So how do you how how can we now, how's the best way that going forward I say we that it be just Norfolk County Council mm. and, and South Norfolk Council pull that lever how you how are you going to look to pull that lever and, and get that in, in concert with the, the team here at the NRP yep. Anglia Innovation Partnerships pull yep. that lever to get that that money in and, and candidly how can I, I mean so, you know Eastern Promises is just a CIC, a, a CIC with you know, me and a few volunteers but how can we support you in doing that
1: so i think it's about continuing to do what you do in a fantastic way which is raise the profile of the individual entrepreneurs the stories the real life because the nrp is not a collection of buildings it's a collection of individuals with stories to tell with scientists who would dearly like to set up a business how do we encourage them to do that there's um, how do we encourage them to continue with their amazing science, and how do we really promote the idea that uh, that the NRP is something that if you've got a great idea you want to set up or you want to develop or turn mm-hmm. into a turn into a business, it's the place to be. So you know you're a great uh, fantastic advocate in that.
0: Well, the checks in the
1: post. And the <laughs> and and also that um, correlation between Norwich, Cambridge, the, 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 the method in the madness of collaboration the purpose of all of that sort of stuff. So. Now,
0: when I spoke to Jonathan Reynolds, we talked about, I mean, his role as the uh, Chair of the Innovation uh, Board yep. at, at the New Anglia. What, and this is a, a concern he raised, and I promised to, to take it forward, what yep. can you say to businesses, who are looking at the voice they have, and I'm sure this has been thought of—the mm-hmm. voice they had in the LEP—and yeah. uh, how that's going to be reflected in the new arrangements. So arrangements—that <laughs> isn't the new arrangements.
1: Yeah, so the new arrangements. Um, so, so the kind of structures we're moving to, we'll be moving to, will be county-based structures rather than across Norfolk and Suffolk. So those are the building blocks because that is the direction of travel. Government wants to move in. Business voice though will be absolutely critical at the heart of, of this. So in both counties, Norfolk and in Suffolk, we will be developing fresh out the box business boards. So the business boards will provide that clear um, business voice, vocal business voice, Being they'll be engaged in all parts of, of, of economic development in terms of the planning, of the strategy, uh, overseeing uh, and scrutinizing uh, and participating in the kind of projects and programs and so on that have that are developed um, and dare i say holding holding uh, politicians and officers to account and um, we're working on the models for both of those because we've got uh, the summer the autumn to, to develop those and, so and we will be engaging with the business community in that uh, particularly to help shape that uh, as as far as Norfolk's concerned I know Colleagues in Suffolk are doing, will be doing something similar. The other thing to say is sector groups and the innovation board, we absolutely intend for those to continue.
0: Yeah.
1: And probably across Norfolk and Suffolk, because we spent the past 10 years, I said earlier in, the, in our conversation, that um, one of the great things about uh, the local enterprise partnership has been collaboration between Norfolk and Suffolk. Uh, you know, we can uh, we can spar on the football pitch next season. It'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> Cambridge never really has that problem to worry about. Um, and um,
0: well, I'm going to go and vi- hopefully going to go and visit Cambridge United to look at their uh, community work. So I won't mention that. I'll say, don't, I mention, get
1: you. don't mention that. Um, and, um, um, but, but, as far as, but, but as far as the economy concerns, it's about collaboration. So, so whether it's the energy sector, whether it's agri-food, whether it's IC digital, and definitely innovation, we want to ensure that two-county collaboration, three-county collaboration with Cambridgeshire, four-county collaboration with Essex, where, where, where it works, yeah. um, uh, is strengthened and continues, uh, and the business voice at the heart of that.
0: When I did the event on the train and we had a load of people from Cambridge, a load of people from Norwich mm. having their little networking... When we
1: Apologies, were, I missed that. That sounds like a shit, great... But we, I wanted yeah. to do it
0: again I, and I will do it again. This time, my plan is to do it with two trains... One from Norwich, one from Ipswich, and if the Wi-Fi holds out, I want to do yeah. a, like a Teams call yeah. between the two trains. That'll be fun, and uh, hopefully that yeah. um, I, I know plenty of places. One of my
1: regrets of the year is not managing to. Well, I was double booked. so.
0: That's, I mean, we missed you, but um, <laughs> but one of the things I did talk about with Jonathan Denby, he was stressing how the hourly service to Cambridge was basically an act of will to sort of force that through, on uh, along the lines of, of Norwich in 19th, that you're yep. mentioning earlier, and, and I have to. I really do like the new. The new Greater Anglia fleet—it's lovely. It is. Uh, it's, it was. It was completely different from my trip down to to Foxton with the the Mayor of Cambridge and Pittsburgh, really? which was a completely
1: <laughs> different. Experience. But, and 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 and, and, and side-tracking you as I am, the for me the London to Norwich trains are an upgrade. But if you and as I'm sure you have. Traveled uh, Ipswich Lertstof, to off or I have as yeah,
0: went out to see the Orbis, yeah.
1: Okay, so remember what the trains were like on oh, that yeah. service before. So, so they've literally skipped a generation. Mm. So they've gone from, you know, back of the class, to front of the class. And I think for me, that's that is the transformational piece of that of the new fleet. And actually, if you if you if you now hop on the uh, the Norwich to Nottingham service, you kind of realise. Where 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 time time, time you do you still. really do
0: I went up to Manchester on that so Yep
1: <clears throat> So compare that with going on going on the, uh, on the Norwich to,
0: oh, I do I mean Norwich I to,
1: to Chroma service
0: i so. I mean I, I I jump on the train to Cambridge mm. as, as a preference every time Yeah, yeah uh, where, where where mr. Lynch allows, allows it and that's that's been my problem I have not followed up with the, with the train thing because I'm waiting I'm not marching a lot of very important people up a hill only to march them back down here yeah. because we can't get on the train. Yeah, yeah, um, but when I spoke to the mayor of Cambridgeshire, Peterborough, Dr Johnson yesterday, he sort of, unprompted by me, said, I want to tell everybody in Norfolk and Suffolk that I'm on Ely. I'm on Ely, I understand its importance, and you'll understand its importance, and I'm not going to ask you to, to make the case for Ely because all our listeners will know what the case for Ely is, and, and I know that this will be, again, something that both Norfolk and Suffolk uh, will be on uh, in, in, in the future. Yep. Um, what I want to say is once we've unlocked that, I was really excited that, okay, we got to an hour by an act of sort of will and yes. guts and push, push, push. Couldn't we do half hour? Can we do a half hourly service? And now we've got this Cambridge South that unlocks our access by train yep. to the biomedical campus. Yep.
1: What wonders can we achieve with a half hourly service? Well, it would be transformational. And, and, and as um, the railway people will tell you i'm sure jonathan will tell you there is uh, there is something really psychological about a a half hourly service because people know that they can turn up and they haven't got that long to wait exactly yeah whereas an hour still feels a bit of an impediment so it is it is a transformational transformational change look i am the biggest fan you will find of uh of ely and hawley those those particular programs and so pleased that midlands connect um, and uh, and Transport East have really taken on the uh, on the uh, uh, the arguing, the lobbying, and so on for those. We've been we've been in the trenches uh, on those projects for well almost a decade, I should think, um, and um, you know, participated, chaired various uh, working groups in Ely and so on over the years. And so uh, it's reassuring. That Dr. Johnson supports it. I knew he did. <laughs> yes. I Cambridge are a hundred percent behind it. So so it's one thing we have really had common common cause around. Um and you know, it's so frustrating that those projects have not been approved. So frustrating when you think, yes, there are a lot of money, but they're a rounding compared with the cost of HS two.
0: Yeah, and you have to look at what unlocks from that and all the the fantastic things that can happen with a half-hourly service that makes, you know, people going both ways um, on the the train. Uh, Because I remember when I was doing... But it's not really just
1: Cambridge, is it? You think about it, East-West Rail.
0: Stanford Airport as well.
1: Well, Stanford now has a direct service from Norwich, but... um, but yeah, Norwich to through to uh, through to Ox uh, through through to Oxford and so on. So th- that's really the um, uh, that that's the kind of uh, the aim and the aspiration. Yeah. Um, but but I agree, half hourly service, transformational, makes such a difference uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the the, the, the tech corridor. I, I I agree.
0: Now I'm not asking you to, mm. to. Obviously, you've you've got priorities of plenty. I know. Yep. but where did we where would we start where would Chris Starkey start in making that case is it a case we all have to sit down with a cold towel on our head and work out the you know the, the compromise, or do we just just blaze in and say this is a great idea because it you know it seems like a great idea and do we start building that coalition of the willing where, from, where would you start the from half family service case? yeah
1: well fundamentally we have to get the have to get ely upgraded uh, and it's and it's a kind of as simple as that, we have we, yeah. we have we have built the economic case. I think you're aware that it's stuck between the Department for Transport and the Treasury. Department for Transport likes it. The Treasury says it's too expensive. Um, so, so, so I think that, that that's the first thing. And the second thing is, we then have to work out what paths and what slots are available on that uh, by by opening up Ely. One of the things I've learned is that even Ely, upgraded, does not deliver everything that we all want on particular times and so on, because there are freight paths, there are, do you want to improve the, I'm sounding really like a timetable engineer here, but do you want to improve Ipswich to Peterborough, for example, mm. should that should that increase and so on. So uh, do you want King's Lynn to London to be half hourly? All of those have to go through that. So I think, um, so for me, it's trying to work out uh, what are what are the priorities in that, and um, and if there's space, and if there's, uh, then 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 Norwich Cambridge can can slot in because mm. I think you know you, we have to think about the whole. You the do. Whole you have picture. to see
0: the whole board, and yeah. it's easy. It's easy. Otherwise, in a to get like otherwise, away. like
1: well, well, that's not uh, getting carried away, and it's right to get carried away, but but I think otherwise you end up lobbying against each other in exactly. the region. So what is the master plan for unlocking the maximum potential from yeah. from the, from those different corridors?
0: You mentioned Transport East, mm-hmm. and we've got Creative East, and I know I've seen a um, yep. friend of the show, Robin Milton, a fair of Fairer Games out there, who's, who's one of the current cohorts yep. on the Create Growth uh, scheme being run by Creative East. We we, we had Angular, New Anglia Lep and it's sector yes. groups. Yes. So one organisation doing a lot. Are we now going to be seeing more sector groups? So basically one-topic one, one sector groups... Mm. Cross border, like Transport East, like Creative East? Are we going to be, oh, we've got Tech East already, Uh, and Tim Robbins will be cross if I don't mention that. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we going to see more like that, or or, or is that still to be decided?
1: So, our uh, approach is that we will support sector groups on the geography that they want to work. So, so from a Norfolk, moving forward from a Norfolk perspective, um, there's huge benefit in collaborating with colleagues in Suffolk and I think Tech East uh, and Eastern and Promise has shown that actually there's benefit in collaborating even further afield with colleagues in Essex and colleagues with uh, with Cambridge. The, the bigger you make the map the more complicated it becomes the more moving parts but certainly our sector groups um, it's certainly my personal intention and hope uh, that they will continue so so we're at the moment asking our New Anglia so the New Anglia sponsored sector groups because we have a we have a sort of federated relationship with them so uh, so tech east uh, runs our industry council for ict digital uh, we have an agri, agri uh, food uh, industry council we have an energy industry council now oh, and there's a name as well there, uh, to, to give to give four examples So we're asking each of those and the business folk who give their time, because I think one of the critical things is the amount of volunteer time by businesses, because they see that's the right thing to do. Do you wish to continue? Do you wish to continue? The cultural board, Northampton and Suffolk cultural board, um, which um, and so on. Do you wish to continue? If you wish to continue, we'll support you. As Norfolk and as Suffolk, but as the two councils working together, mm. and that is—that is what we said we'd do. Because what we do not want is—is uh, is a diminution of, of this collaboration. Because collaboration is 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 key and critical between the private sector and the public sector. That's how we get our economy really moaching and moving. So, so as far as I'm concerned, sector groups are really important to what I want to do in Norfolk. Um, what colleagues want to do in suffolk and therefore sector groups um certainly i i i would like to see them continue
0: well chris stucky thank you ever so much for your time it has been a pleasure to interview i can carry on for ages but you've got you're a busy man and you've got a very important job to do now and a very a very important job in the future new anglia i think it's fair to say has been incredibly consequential for our region it has done so many good things and supported so many businesses, large and small, it's done big capital projects, it's, it's through its funds it's supported so many small businesses. Thank you for everything you've done on. I'm slightly um, taking liberties, but on behalf of the, the public and private sector, thank you for everything you've done as part of Newrang, and best we wish you all the best for the future. My thanks to Chris for that hugely insightful interview. Listeners to the Omnibus edition will have heard an abridged version of my chat with Chris Starkey whereas you can find the full, unabridged version covering much, much more on your podcast feed or via the Eastern Promise website, easternpromise.org.uk. You can contact Eastern Promise and find out more about what we do by visiting our website, easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Pryor's Croft production on behalf of the Eastern Promise East Anglia Community Interest Company.